0: Today is February 17th, 2021. Republicans take their aim at teachers unions. A new poll finds that Republicans still back Trump, and an effort to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom gains steam. Welcome back, split the difference friends, and split the difference family. We got the best episode that we have done so bar rolling out to you here bright and early on this Wednesday morning. Y'all, we're doing our best to do what we always do, to look at the left, to look at the right, and of course, to try and find that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. If y'all did not know, or if you have not heard, we have a brand new Fresh off the press, guest to show that aired yesterday morning. Y'all got to go and check it out. We had a ton of fun filming that with Ari. She is an awesome gal and she brought a lot of really, really cool uh, diff- different perspectives and cool things to talk about. So y'all have got to go and check that out. Give it a listen, give it a like, give it a subscribe because y'all we've got plenty more coming out where that came from. It's going to be a ton of fun recording these guest episodes going forward and I got a lot of great feedback on the first one. So y'all go and give that one a listen because I honestly think that's some of the most fun conversations that we get to have on this podcast now, Um, and I'm super excited to be rolling those out for Let's go ahead and head on all of that to our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Republicans take their aim at teachers' unions, so... There's been a lot of stories over the past couple of weeks around the United States teachers unions standing up against city and state officials that are requiring for students to go back into schools. Uh, Most notably would be the Chicago teachers unions that have stood up against Mayor Lightfoot. And what what was proving to be, I mean, a substantial showdown between one of the larger school districts, uh, teachers unions in the country and uh, a very left leaning Democratic mayor uh, that you would think they'd be on the same page. Well, they haven't been. And there's, you know, it's happening in a lot of other cities around the country as well. So. Many teachers unions have been arguing a lot over the past couple of months that teachers should be protected more, okay? And a lot of this is protected of course from the coronavirus. They shouldn't be allowing for in-person teaching and in-person learning until the teachers have all been vaccinated. That's what a lot of these different school t- school districts are calling for, and if they aren't calling for complete and total vaccination, at least the vaccinations of teachers that are over the age of 50 or 60 years old. They're calling for better school ventilation systems, uh, better cleaning equipment, and better janit- uh, more janitorial staff to be able to go through and clean the entire school every day. Uh, and much of this, of course, is because they don't want for older teachers that are within their unions to be exposed to the coronavirus. Um, but... All of that comes at the expense of the students that would be coming in and learning day to day within the school district. So arguments against this, which are primarily coming from the right, although a bit of it is coming from the left as well, which we'll get into, uh, but is basically how detrimental online learning is and can be for children. There have been a lot of studies that have come out showing that kids uh, having kids in school actually does not spread COVID at the excessive rates that was once a concern, once a gigantic concern, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, And a lot of that is because a lot of the earlier concerns have been assuaged, uh, primarily about kids being super spreaders. So if we remember back to last year, there were a ton of articles and a ton of media attention around how children who oftentimes would be asymptomatic or would not actually feel the symptoms of COVID or get really, really sick as a result of contracting COVID could be super spreaders, okay? And what that basically means is that the kids would be be incredibly contagious, but just not have symptoms. So far, that has largely been debunked. Now, with that having been said, Of course, course kids can still get the coronavirus. It's been proven that kids could still get COVID. They are obviously not dying at nearly the rate that the elderly are dying from. Uh, And they actually, at this point, from what we can tell, um, it's much more difficult for them to contract COVID as well. So there's been multiple studies that have gone into it, uh, looking at basically the differences in populations in terms of mortality rate, in terms of how contagious they are, the likelihood that they would be asymptomatic. At this point, we're really only about a year into the coronavirus. And unfortunately, That means that we don't have a ton of data and a ton of different people to look at uh, in terms of trying to figure out really what asymptomatic looks like, how someone can be asymptomatic when they're still contagious. But what we're able to find is a lot of this data that we've gotten so far proves and shows that kids are not super spreaders, okay? The kids are not going to be the ones walking around asymptomatic, just breathing all of their mouth air all over everything and can, you know, can, uh, making everybody else around them contract COVID when they're perfectly fine. That really hasn't been the case. The Biden administration also released official CDC guidance on this as well over the past week or so, saying that vaccinations are not required to safely open schools as long as all of the other things are in place. So as long as people are able to wear masks, as long as they're able to keep somewhat of a socially distant um, learning environment there, whether that's through having half of the kids in on A day and half of the kids in on B day and trying to split up the population of students in that way. Um, And You know, at the end of the day, it kind of all comes down to all of the things that, you know, the CDC has been preaching for the past year of wearing a face mask and making sure that you're keeping things around you clean and not, you know, talking mouth to mouth with somebody incredibly close. All of those things still continue to work, right? Another thing to note is the vaccination doesn't even keep you from spreading the coronavirus, okay? It just keeps you from having an incredibly serious case. So, even if you were to vaccinate all of the teachers and all of the children and all of the children's families, okay, if everyone in the country is still vaccinated, there still is the opportunity for coronavirus to continue to spread around. That's why a lot of people are starting to call for it. Listen, this is ridiculous. There's no reason why we should still have these kids at home. They need to be in school. So, it has long been the case that teachers unions line up solely on the side of the Democrats. OK, they don't they donate huge amounts of money uh, to Democratic candidates. And for the most part, I guess they're kind of like the NRA to the Republicans, right, or gun lobbying groups for the Republicans. They donate a ton of money to the Republicans. And you know, they're never going to back a Democratic candidate. Pretty much the exact same thing with teachers unions and the Democrats. So they are actually consistently some of the largest political contributors year over year. With two of the largest, uh, two of the largest teachers unions actually donated over thirty million dollars within the last year or so to Democratic candidates. Okay, over thirty million dollars total. Teachers unions across the country donated. I think it was something like forty to forty-five million dollars to federal campaigns last year pretty wild stuff. Okay. So historically, I believe this is since 1980, teachers unions have given over 95% of their funds to specifically democratic or left-leaning candidates. Okay. 95% of their funds. Okay. So the refusal to be willing to open schools backs up, back up, has appeared to be a huge opportunity for Republicans. And Republicans are starting to kind of move in on this and try to gain ground against a lot of Democrats, especially in the suburbs around this issue specifically. Um, The suburbs, as many of you know, because we've talked about it on this podcast and in other places, I'm sure you've heard of it as well. uh, The suburbs were an absolute boon for Republicans in 2024, or in 2020, and in 2018 as well, really even starting in 2016. Donald Trump did not appeal to especially white suburban moms, did not appeal to them at all. The Democrats won the suburbs handedly throughout the entire country and is honestly one of the large reasons why they were able to win states like Georgia, right, where they have gigantic populations of suburban communities around the large cities there in Georgia that went almost completely blue. Okay. So Republicans uh, have actually used the argument of and for fighting against teachers unions in the past in order to be able to get a leg up on Democrats. Um, on a couple of different occasions. So most recently is actually in 2009, uh, Republicans ran hard against teachers unions in New Jersey and Wisconsin, and they actually ended up getting a lot of victories in the midterms as a result. So Barack Obama had just won in 2008. The Democrats basically won with the sweeping blue wave all the way across the country. And when the midterms came up, In 2009 and in 2010, one of the biggest arguments that Donald Trump or that um, a lot of the Republicans had against the Democrats was the fact that teachers unions lobby so hard for Democrats, and they don't have the suburban women's children in mind. Okay, so many Republicans are citing the fact that keeping kids at home, like we said earlier, is detrimental, and is detrimental for a lot of different reasons. Okay pretty common sense. For one, the kids just don't learn nearly as well. It is incredibly difficult to convince an eight-year-old to sit beside a camera and listen to his teacher sit there and talk about long division and multiplication. I know when I was eight years old, when I was in second and third and fourth grade, there is no way you would have been able to convince me that it was a good idea for me to sit behind a computer and stare at a tiny stare at a tiny camera in a computer screen and learn my multiplication tables not a shot in this world would i've been willing to do that there's also very limited social interaction with other children and with teachers as well, with almost all of the interaction that they get actually being online, which we all know is absolutely terrible. If the only interaction that you're getting with other people is online, you're not really getting social interaction. It's also terrible for the parents, okay, that may be trying to work from home. A lot of these suburban parents and parents within cities as well have been confined to working at home because they can't go into the office because the pandemic is going on. As a result, they're having to work sitting in either an office or a living room while their child is doing school 10 or 15 feet away from them. And it's been put onto the parents the responsibility of trying to help discipline the child, make sure that the child is paying attention, make sure that the child is actually learning the stuff and applying the stuff that they need to be learning. And there's no way that a parent can work 40 or 50 hours a week and also help to maintain a child's coursework all throughout the day. No human being is capable of doing that. So as a result, many Republicans are looking at all of this and they're like, listen, people are fed up with this and these democrats are kowtowing to teachers unions like they always are and we this is an opportunity for us to step in and to be able to prove ourselves to these suburban moms that really want their kids to be back in schools cuz they're tired of dealing with it so uh, in a lot of ways, it actually seems to be fracturing the Democrats as well. So many Democrats have received, like we said earlier, a ton of funds from these teachers unions and are expected to play along with the teachers unions' wishes. However, many realize that the many realize that the people that this is affecting the most are the people that they need to be going out and voting for them. So the American Action Network, which is a you know a fairly large conservative. Uh, group that does a whole lot of campaigning and a whole lot of stuff for Republicans, began putting up billboards and launching digital ads and robocalls last week in a dozen different congressional districts that you know are represented by Democrats that they perceive to be the most vulnerable coming up in the midterm elections in 2022. The ads went through and highlighted how much money each member received in campaign contributions from teachers unions, on the Democratic side and basically calls on them to back the House GOP bill to provide full federal funding only to schools for in-person learning. So all of these conservatives are getting together and they're like, listen, this is our time to shine. If we can get in here and convince all these people that the teachers unions are not helping out their kids and then those teachers unions are also backing all these Democrats, then we're going to be able to win these elections in 2022 or at least soften up the ground in the suburbs as much as we need to. Personally, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that these school districts are even considering not reopening these schools. I get and I totally understand the concern about having the coronavirus coming in and being with a whole bunch of kids. It's going to be difficult to convince them to keep their masks on for eight hours in a day. And a lot of these teachers may be vulnerable or susceptible to it. I get that and I totally understand that. But that is why you can go in and have plenty of social distancing protocols where at At the very least, the teachers are socially distanced from the kids. You can have frequent cleaning. You can go in and update ventilation systems. Whatever you need to do, do it and get the kids back in school. It is unbelievable the amount of effort and energy that is going in with a lot of these primarily left-leaning teachers unions and cities that are not allowing for children to go back into school when they know that it's absolutely detrimental to the student. At some point, you have to think, you're going to have to bite the bullet and bring the kids back in there. Well, that time has a long come and gone. Okay. Kids should have been back in there at the beginning of the school year last year. So anyways, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's hop on into our second story, story number two. So our second story centers around a Quinnipiac poll that was done uh, just a couple days ago on Sunday. Uh, It was released I believe Sunday afternoon, and found that the vast majority of Republicans still hold a very favorable view of Trump. Six out of ten Republicans said that they wanted Trump to play a major role in the GOP going forward. So after being acquitted last week, Trump released a statement that read, Our historic, patriotic, and beautiful movement to make America great again has only just begun. In the months ahead, I have much to share with you, and I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together to achieve American greatness for all people. So it's clear... Donald Trump is still doing his best to maintain that control and that support that he has cultivated within the Republican Party over the last five years or so. And the GOP has to figure out what they're going to do about it, okay? Mitch McConnell thinks he has an idea. We've talked about this a good bit over the past couple weeks, okay? After Mitch McConnell came in and he gave his speech, which we talked about on Monday, um, on Saturday during the impeachment vote, Mitch McConnell comes out and basically is like, I'm not voting for impeachment because I think that it's unconstitutional to to impeach a uh, someone that is not a sitting president, okay? But I think Donald Trump is fully to blame for everything that happened on January 6th. It looks like that's not going to work out great for Mitch McConnell, okay? He then, on Monday, reloads the gun, fires it again, decides to write and release an op-ed on the Wall Street Journal defending his decision to not impeach trump on the grounds that the vote was unconstitutional and also defending his ridicule of donald trump he said quote there is no question former president trump bears moral responsibility his supporters stormed the capitol because of the unhinged falsehoods that he shouted into the world's largest megaphone his behavior during and after the chaos was unconscionable from attacking vice president mike pence during the riot to praising the criminals after it ended It's clear Mitch McConnell wants a Republican Party without Trump in it. But Mitch McConnell missed his opportunity to purge Donald Trump from the party. He missed it. He lost it. He had it in his hands and he didn't do anything about it because, like we've talked about a lot, he doesn't want to lose the support of the Trump voters. So they have to figure out a way, the Republicans have to figure out a way, to keep the Trump voters, but to lose Trump. And that is going to be incredibly difficult. Without Trump there, they lose a population of people that were voting simply because Trump galvanized them to go to the polls. The problem is Trump also galvanized the other side of the aisle to go to the polls. We had the large, one of the largest portions of the, um, the people eligible to vote going out and voting in 2020 in a long, long time. Okay. There was an absolutely unprecedented amount of people that went out and went to the polls in 2020. And I don't think it was because Biden was sitting behind a camera in Delaware somewhere being like, you know, oh, we've got to save the country. You know, we've got to make, make sure that everything's good to go. No, it was Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the reason why there were over 70 million people that came out and voted for the Republican ticket. He's also the reason why there were like 76 million Democrats that came out and voted. They hated him and they were able to rally around this one unique person in this one evil that they could all go against. Okay. The only thing that I could really see saving the Republicans going into 2022 at this point, believe it or not, and I know this is going to be extremely mind-blowing for a lot of you, but just, like, buckle up and try to get through this with me. I think the Republicans are actually going to have to produce good policy. Imagine that. That the way to convince people to vote for you is to actually put forth policy that benefited them. Huh. They're going to have to actually go in to the House and the Senate floors every single day. And propose legislation that will be beneficial for the country. And they're going to have to do it all throughout this year and all throughout this next year. And they're going to have to win big in 2022. Because the only way that they're going to be able to convince people to not vote for Trump in 2024 is if they come through and they sweep it in 2022. Because they're going to be able to prove that the Republican Party can still have a strong backbone without Donald Trump it helps them a lot that Trump doesn't have his loud megaphone right now. He can't be getting online and tweeting out all the stuff that he wants to be saying to his followers and to his people. Can't really get his message out at this point. The Republicans and Mitch McConnell can go and they can say pretty much whatever it is that they want about him. And you can guarantee the only people that are going to be listening to what Trump has to say are probably going to be on parlor, right? Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be interesting to see if the Republicans are actually able to purge Trump. And then if they do successfully purge Trump, if Trump decides to make another party, well, there goes half the Republican vote right there. So the Democrats, of course, are absolutely thrilled about the fractions growing deeper. You're having a showdown between two of the most powerful Republicans in the entire country going at it. And if they can instigate it further, of course they will. Okay. Honestly, Something that would probably help the cause of the Democrats is to get Trump back on Twitter. Like if I was if I was all these Democrats right now, especially in the media and stuff, I would be jumping up and down and being like, listen, Trump served his sentence for not having a Twitter. He just give him his Twitter back. Allow him to be able to communicate. It's his right. He should be able to go out there and tweet. Because as soon as Donald Trump gets that Twitter reactivated, that man is going to be blowing it up with all the stuff that he's going to be saying about Republicans. He's not even going to go after the media. He wouldn't even go after the Democrats. He would be crapping on every single Republican that he ever felt did him wrong, especially Mitch McConnell. So at this point right now, McConnell has to convince all of the current Republicans that Trump isn't worth following. And that is difficult to do because there's a lot of people that wanted to vote for Trump, right? Even though Donald Trump lost he didn't lose by all that much, okay? Donald, it was still a pretty close race. He has a lot of people that are willing to come out and vote for him and go to rallies for him and donate a lot of money to him. So all of this, of course, is heavily dependent upon people actually showing up to the polls. But, the, end, I mean, I, when it's all said and done... The Democrats right now, all they have to do is just continue to push out their policy, continue to try and write those stimulus checks, and it's going to be a really, really uphill battle for the Republicans going into the midterms. Not looking good. So with all of that, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop into our third story, our last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, good old Gavin Newsom. So Many of you may have heard his name tossed around once or twice. He is the governor of California. And over the past month or so, there have been growing, we'll say efforts, okay, to remove Gavin Newsom from office. Okay. And it's mainly because he's absolutely horrible, but it's also for a multitude of other reasons as well. So he has become famous because he implemented the most shutdowns in the entire country, right? The most lockdowns. I mean, as soon as the pandemic started, California came out and was basically like, you are not allowed to breathe in another human's direction. They were actually issuing out edicts and stuff where when you were sitting at a restaurant, you had to keep your mask on during the meal and you could only pull it down to take a bite And then while you were chewing, you had to put the mask back over your face while you were chewing. I'm not lying. That is real life. Okay, Um, so after he decides to do all this throughout the course of 2020, he then gets busted in January. uh, I believe in January, either January or December, having a large dinner with a whole bunch of people where pictures were taken of him not wearing a mask. Nobody there was wearing a mask. They were all mucking it up and drinking and talking together, a whole bunch of rich people. I'm sure a whole bunch of people that have donated to Gavin's campaigns and whatnot, totally ignoring all the restrictions in place. So you had all these people that were looking around that were like small business owners, and they were like, what? what is going on? Like, How are you able to sit around and have a dinner with all of your friends and family with no mask on, no worries in the world, and I still can't even open my business up? How am I supposed to even make a living? I can't because of all the lockdowns that you have in place right now. So, Let's go ahead and take a quick look. This is Fox Business reporting on this a little bit earlier in the week, talking about uh, basically recall efforts that have been put in place to try and get Gavin Newsom removed from office.
1: The Governor Newsom recall effort... JUST HITTING A MAJOR MILESTONE WITH ORGANIZERS CLAIMING THAT THEY HAVE GATHERED MORE THAN THE 1.5 MILLION SIGNATURES NEEDED TO TRIGGER A SPECIAL ELECTION. JOINING ME NOW IS ANN HYDE DUNSMORE, SHE IS THE RESCUE CALIFORNIA CAMPAIGN MANAGER AND FINANCE DIRECTOR. WELL, CONGRATULATIONS. NOW THAT YOU HAVE THE SIGNATURES, WHAT COMES NEXT? WELL, WE DON'T, ACTUALLY. I MEAN, THAT 1.5 MILLION SIGNATURES IS A uh, uh, only 82% valid uh, by our calculation, 82 to 84% valid, which means, uh, and that's very normal. Which means we need to get to 1.8. We're going to try and get to 2 million, actually, David, because we got to have a shenanigan buffer uh, on top of the 1.8. Yeah, because unlike ballots, signatures can be discarded and invalidated behind closed doors. Uh, mm. You don't get to, you don't get to have observers in that process gotcha. i i'm one of those who thinks that uh signatures and petitions are uh like votes but apparently the secretary so, of state so not. you're going to need a buffer of, of several hundred yes. thousand uh, extra votes yeah.
0: all right so uh their goal here is to get one and a half million votes on a petition by march 17th in order to trigger a special election this would basically allow another candidate to come in and challenge governor gavin for, to, for the remainder of his term. However, because California is such a deep blue state, the person running against Gavin Newsom would have to be a very, very moderate candidate to say the least. However, I will say with the current state of things in California right now, It would not surprise me if they got the number of signatures that they needed in order to trigger a special election. And it honestly wouldn't blow me away if he got voted out. He has done such a bad job of running California. People are literally fleeing. That's what it's called. Fleeing California. Okay. Across the board. So you can go on YouTube right now and literally type in Fleeing California, and you will get a plethora of videos, just one after the other after the other, of all these famous people, influencers, YouTubers, and all this stuff, coming out and talking about how they are moving out of California because of absolutely terrible policies in the state of things right now. So the cost of living is exorbitantly high in the vast majority of cities there. Taxes, of course, through the roof. Homelessness is rampant through most of the cities and people are absolutely tired of it. And that doesn't even include all the craziness with the lockdowns that have happened over the past year, which has been unbelievably awful as well. So many Republicans, which is, this is hilarious because this is gaining a ton of fodder online and amongst Republican circles, but Republicans always cite California as the example for what, what happens when left-leaning politics are the only thing being pushed. If you go on Fox News on any day of the week, they're probably going to be crapping on California. And it's because they're by far the most left-leaning state, right? They are deep, deep blue. And oftentimes, uh, it is where more progressive ideology and more progressive policy gets implemented first in our country. They've got an extremely progressive state legislature there. Normally, the the California governors are incredibly progressive as well. Including, like, the one we've got in there right now, Governor Gavin Newsom. And so uh, many Republicans are pointing at it and they're looking at all of the crazy things that are happening in California. And they're like, well, yeah, this totally makes sense. This is what happens when you let Democrats run the country or run the state. Pretty hilarious stuff. So, will Gavin Newsom actually get recalled? I don't know. Honestly, Right now, they're they're pretty close. In the past month to a month and a half, they've gotten a million and over a million and a half signatures to, on a petition to actually get the recall done. They have to have 1.5 million, but in like the video that you heard there, they're saying that they're going to have to need significantly more than one and a half million because the people that review whether or not the the uh, uh, the the signatures are valid and everything are, of course, the California Secretary of State all of whom are, you know, under the thumb of Governor Gavin Newsom. So uh, if they were able to get in there and get him out of there, though, I think it would be incredibly beneficial for California. And it would be really, really interesting to see if they did get a Republican in as governor. And he came in and started pulling back all the lockdowns, started trying to reduce taxes across the state, trying to fix homelessness and all the stuff that's going on. And he actually does a decent job. It would definitely spell some chaos for one of the deepest blue states in the country. So, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it all ends up playing out. So, with all of that having been said, that is the end of our third story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on in to the last segment of the day. It's called Bro What? So, today, for our Bro What moment of the week, we have the New York mayor's office tweeting out a video that is super weird. Okay, so, (laughs) it basically... And we'll go ahead and play it in a minute, but basically, what is happening is uh, you have these random dancers doing some really weird kind of you know movements and dancing around. All of them wearing masks and socially distanced, of course, in the middle of the street with like snow and ice all around them and people just talking in the background. So let's hop in real quick and take a look about the importance of revitalizing New York City from the coronavirus pandemic by bringing back the arts.
1: We need a recovery that brings back the life and the heart and the energy of this city and that everyone gets to be a part of. And we're gonna do that. We're gonna really bring back the heart and soul of New York City. We need our arts and culture back and we need people to see it and feel it, to participate in it, to know that that essence of New York City has not been defeated by the coronavirus but we'll come back strong in 2021.
0: All right, so I have absolutely no idea what was going on in that video, but it is apparently clear that all of the restaurants and the bars and the horrible things that have been happening as a result of the lockdowns and the pandemic, the number one thing that New York needs is to bring back people dancing randomly in the streets. Thank you, New York City Mayor's Office, for giving me a pretty good chuckle here on this Wednesday. So with all of that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all, remember to find me on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on YouTube and Facebook at Split the Difference and, of course, my website at splitthedifference.com with one T. Go and check me out. Give me some likes some subscribes. Give me some five-star reviews and all the thumbs up that you can give because all of that helps a ton and getting my name out there and getting more people listening. Remember also, if you haven't already, check out the second guest episode with Ari Robbins. That was an awesome conversation, and I really, you know, want for as many people to hear about that as much as possible uh, because it really, really was cool and it was a bunch of fun recording it. So, with all that, remember, y'all, we're gonna do our best to do our, to stay level-headed. We're always gonna be reasonable, and of course, we're gonna split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.